You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hi, this is Carl Weezer. Um, when I'm not helping Jimmy Neutron be, you know, Jimmy Neutron, I listen to the Grawlix podcast while I'm petting my llama. Don't ask. This is Randy in the future. His, his, future, or his, his, past. And this is Jesse. In the future, when people are hired for a new job, instead of watching those terrible training videos, they will have to test out of a VR simulator of their job, a.k.a. getting paid to play video games of their jobs. I could almost get on board with that. I think <laughs> something about <laughs> you know, like if you're gonna if you're gonna mess up and spit in the guy's uh, whopper, you know, you do that virtually, not in reality. That's a good point. That's a good point. And you're like, <laughs> you make all the mistakes in uh, in the video game, and then you go out and you do it for real. You're fine. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not quite where I was thinking it was going, but no, it's good. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, no, yeah. You yeah. make all the mistakes, then you go out and you make them real. <laughs> you make them real. Yeah. <laughs> you just make them real. It's good. There's definitely things where I'll be playing a game cuz you know, there's so many games with like little side quests and time-killing right. aspects where I'll be playing a game, doing this tedious thing, content doing it until I'm like, wait, what am I doing? I would hate doing this in real life. Why am I doing it in a video game? Like, why am I doing a simulation yes. of this thing? That why I am would... I just di- like Minecraft? Why am I just digging a hole for an hour? <laughs> Literally, if I did, if I dug a hole for an hour in real life, I'd be like, I'm done. <laughs> this is it. Whatever, whatever I was trying to dig a hole for, it's either happening or it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, if I actually come across diamonds or gold, it'd do me some good in the real world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's no zombies. There's I wouldn't make a pickaxe out of it either. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I wouldn't make a diamond pickaxe. Are you crazy? Oh, but that's like the best thing. It's so useful. Oh, I know. You need it. It's the mo- Yeah, it's the number one thing you would use your diamonds on in that game, but not, no. In real life? No, I'm, sure, I'm sure not going to make a diamond hat. <laughs> <laughs> Minecraft, you don't make sense. I didn't think about how silly the idea of like making diamond armor is, and the we got some diamond shoes. shoes. Those oh. sound awesome. Yeah, let's wear Nike diamonds today. Oh man, I think there's a lot of people that probably would wear diamond shoes though. Oh yeah, they probably are. They uh, at least diamonds on their shoes. Yeah, well that's that's true. If it's just pure diamond shoes, which is kind that'd of be what awful, it is. man. You're just like, oh. man, you wouldn't even have blisters. You just not have the bottom of your foot no. because it'd be sliced open from walking. <laughs> this took a strange turn. Hey, welcome to the Grolix Podcast, episode 53. Yep. I love how certain we always sound. <laughs> yes. I even I even knew, you know, but I was just like, yeah, I just got to make it sound like I don't know that this is episode 53. Yeah. Because, you know, tradition. All of our uncertainty and awkwardness it's, it's it's performance art. 
it's we're, charm. Yeah. We're, we, or performance charm. art. It's charm. <laughs> it's both. It's charm performance art. It's, it's all in the script. We're just delivering the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we write weird scripts. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Our copy is strange. <laughs> <laughs> whoever edits this stuff needs uh needs a performance review <laughs> yeah yes yes they do <laughs> they need a reevaluation yes yeah <laughs> what are we talking about today today we will be talking about this month's poll list pick finally getting around to some invincible incredible oh yeah it is very incredible. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about uh, Invincible, uh, specifically the versions we read where the were the uh, soft cover floppy collected traits, Invincible Volume 1 through 3. But if you have mm-hmm. the like larger kind of omnibus hardcover trades um, or collections, it's Volume 1. It's basically issues 1 through 13, I think. Not super clear. So all that, but if there was bonus content, we won't be talking about it. Right. So uh, what, what's the poll list then? We're, we're talking about the poll list. This is our poll list episode. What is the poll list? So the poll list is uh, every month we read and discuss a book chosen by you, listener, and other listeners and visitors to the website uh, who choose to uh, give us some recommendations on our poll Basically, uh, you can submit a new book on there if you want to hear us talk about something that's not on the list, or preferably, so we can get through some of this list, uh, you can vote on books that are already there. And every month we uh, take a look at that poll list, choose the one that has received the most votes, and then we read and talk about it next month. Like right now, we've got like six things on the list. So like, you know, it's kind of nice of you. Just go ahead and vote for the things that are there. But, you know, like, uh, we've gotten some really good uh, recent additions to the list. <laughs> like you know? Invi- so, like so Invincible. If you want to vote for some of those really good ones. Yeah, like Invincible scream to the top of the charts. It's like everybody forgot about that one. And we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's vote for that one. I don't know who added it. Yeah, and I don't know who adds. Like, I don't, you know, it's anonymous. You can add uh, whatever comic you want. But. I don't know who added it, but I swear it was like a month ago or it would have had been a little over a month ago and it just shot right at the, right to the top of the list. So I think it was. Yeah, I think it was one of those where it was added at the beginning of the month and by the end of the month it was winning. Yeah. And uh, you know, that happens sometimes, you know, Harold and Ter- was it Harold uh, Tesla and Lovecraft. <laughs> I want to say <laughs> it doesn't happen. O- I mean, it doesn't happen often like that, but like it, it, it happens. You know, we've had a couple like that. When you were saying Harold Tesla, I, I want in my Harold head was, Tesla. I think that's a Harold, distant relative. Harold Tesla and Kumar. I was like, wait, that's not at all right. <laughs> Go to a white castle. <laughs> Tesla, you're driving. I hear another another sequel. In the yeah, yes, that would be incredible. Yeah, get on that one. And if you want to vote on said poll list, you can go to grolicspodcast.com and look for the tab that says, or the page that says uh, poll list. It'll be there. Yeah. Yep. Or on the main page, if you just scroll down, uh, not on your phone, it, it's somewhere else on your mobile device, but on a desktop version, if you scroll down, it's right there on the right side of the sidebar of, mm-hmm. the, of the regular page, the main homepage. Yes, it is. So this is that point in time where we 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 know what we're going to be talking about for this episode, which is Robert Kirkman's uh, Invincible. But for next month, 
we will be talking about the immortal Iron Fist. Yeah. With 26% of the vote. That's been on there since shortly before Iron Fist came out, and I have a feeling somebody was wanting us to talk wanting us to talk about Iron <laughs> I, Fist. I feel like we were throwing some shade, at, or I was throwing some shade at Iron Fist. Well, actually, that episode was weird. We kind of flip-flopped. We did flip-flop <laughs> because I went into it like I enjoyed the series, and you were like more uh, uh, poo-pooing it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And I had, then, like two weeks before, I had totally... Just crapped all over it, <laughs> and then you spent the episode defending it, and I spent the episode picking it apart. So I don't know, really, I really don't know what happened there, but I stand by all of it. I feel, I feel like there's just us being uh, balanced. That's all, right? It was a balanced review, you know. Like I know where my biases are, and I try to work against them sometimes. And so I, I think that's probably what happened. <laughs> we both knew we were like pretty far at one end of the spectrum, and tried to come back to middle. And I, I still like. It's definitely not perfect. Like, I stand by my criticisms and picking it apart, but at the end of the day, I still enjoyed it, even though it's problematic. It's flawed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're nothing so, if not so fair somebody, and balanced. Somebody was, uh, but somebody was like, these guys, they don't know, they don't know nothing about gets. They don't know nothing. They don't know nothing about fists. So, uh, we need to, we need to read it. Stop watching. Uh, <laughs> I can't. That's gonna be an inside joke. It's like that, a, it's like a comma. It's gonna live. Oh on. yeah, if you if you don't understand that joke, uh, you, you got to go back to episode fifty one and uh, hear about our hate mail. Yep, it's a good time. Good time. We're really good at letting things go. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we we are we are. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that'll be next month. But this month we're talking about Invincible. Let me let me tell you let me tell you about some invincible. <laughs> so, <laughs> invincible is a comic book series created by Robert Kirkman. You may have heard of that guy and Corey Walker, written by Robert Kirkman. And the art and the art is there is a changeover in this chunk of trades that we read, and it and it switches like right in the middle of the trade, doesn't it? Yes. Okay, so Corey Walker co-created the book with Robert Kirkman. And he did the art for issues one through seven, mm -hmm. as well as 127 through 132. And so he comes back. huh? Yeah, which I did not realize. And Ryan Oatley picked up the art duties uh, with issue eight and penciled all the other ones. It's kind of interesting because that's similar to how it went with walking dead like he yeah i was just, i was uh just gonna say that like he co-created with tony moore and then uh things went sideways there and then continued without him mm -hmm. whereas i think with this one it was more amicable like uh cory just couldn't keep up with the uh with the schedule or something that definitely seems like the case and i, I i'm i mean i have the wikipedia page open in front of me so i'm sure it's got that somewhere i think i read that in one of the intros okay and it is kind of reflected in the, like, there's uh, a bit of meta business in the book, in the story oh, itself. There? Okay. Um, I don't know if I uh, caught it, but. A little bit. There's just a, it's a comment on reusing art and keeping up with oh. deadlines. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Anytime, it's, because several times, and he'll continue to do it throughout the series, he'll go to a comic shop or a comic convention later on in the series and. Uh, for the most part, the comic, the creative 
the creative teams like in comic personality is this uh creator of science dog the in world oh yes i love that i love that because that's uh that's a total meta reference too did you did you read all the uh intros uh i don't think so i didn't this okay I, i didn't this time because uh, uh, Science Dog is a thing that they were pitching like before they ever were pitching Invincible. And uh, Science Dog never just never happened. But it, it shows up all over the place in the background and, uh, you know, inside of the world of Invincible. That's so funny. I love I love that they were pitching Science Dog because it seems so goofy to me. In the, yeah. I was like, right, oh, that's right. silly. But of course it's silly. But no, they were actually pitching that. That's oh, that's, yeah, that's fun. But yeah, they they will occasionally do that and use those opportunities to kind of um, take jabs at the comic industry, take jabs at other comics, and take jabs at themselves. You know, it's 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 mm-hmm. a bit of fun. I've read a huge chunk of this series. I'm a little behind now, and the end is approaching. If it, I don't think it's over just yet, but it's approaching. I was to say we're soon. we're we're just in time to start reading this when they're going to end it. Uh huh. And I <laughs> just in time. I have fallen behind and I'm just, it's a little bit by default. Like I'm still buying them. I've been buying them, mm-hmm. but oh man, I don't want it to end. So I haven't, it's, it's like I was saying You're last, reading last episode about boardwalk empire. It's like, I know it's yeah. almost over. They're starting to kill off these characters. I'm just going to stop for now and wait a little bit. <laughs> well, that's what I did with uh vision. And have you, have you read the end of vision yet? No, no, Same but deal. I, yeah. It's like, you don't want to. Because it's so good. I don't want it to end, even though it ended like right. two years ago, like a year and a half, yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Yep. No, I get it. So I've read a big chunk of this and I'm a huge fan and I didn't start reading it till um, not all that long ago. Um, then once I gave it a whirl, like it's just one of those where I just devoured trade after trade and uh, push it on everyone I can, including Jesse. And finally, <laughs> finally through this wonderful pull list conceit for Grolix, uh we've been able to fit it into fit it into his schedule well and there's you know like the funny thing about this is that i have actually had free copies of like the first couple of issues for an awful long time and i don't even know why or how or whatever but i wound up with like the first couple of issues for free and you know those kind of things i'm like okay yeah i'll download that for sure and then I also got like I've I've got a couple of copies for free or not free, but like humble bundle, of course, because uh, uh, Kirkman's Skybound uh, imprint does a lot through humble bundle. So I have like uh, at least the first volume through that, and it still wasn't until it showed up on the pull list that I went ahead and read it. So, but it, I mean, yeah, I, and I I've enjoyed it. I can understand why they're such big fans now. Mm. I mean, it, it it makes sense. Like, I don't think there's too many people out there just bashing on Invincible. It's pretty universally hailed as like a great thing. Mm-hmm. We read volumes one through three of the trade paperbacks. It goes by the titles of uh, volume one is Family Matters, two is Eight is Enough, and three is Perfect Strangers, all their sitcom stuff. Coming to this book, like, I don't remember why... I think I had heard somebody mention it on a podcast, Invincible, because I think if I'd have just randomly come across this book, not noticing Kirkman's attachment to it, I'd been like, okay, Invincible, okay, it's a, it's a superhero. <laughs> I might even been demeaning, be like, it's an off-brand superhero book. Like, you know, it, it's a su- sure. It is. It's a, it's a superhero book. 
but I might have just kind of skipped past it because usually when I go to like image comics, I'm looking through image comics titles. Usually I'm looking for something that's not superhero or something, you know? Yeah, you're looking for something that's a little different than what the big two offers. Exactly. Though I would still say this is definitely a little different than the big two offers, even though it very much plays in that world. But I'd heard good things on podcasts and heard stuff about, of course, this is kind of Kirkman's thing is like just long game stuff and that the book Mm -hmm. would occasionally be super hardcore and very brutal at times. And I was like, brutal, long game. I'm into this. So (laughs) sure. Yeah. And it's it's another case of like last episode we talked about uh, Superman. Super serial. (laughs) Super for super serial. Super serial. Oh, that was two episodes ago or three. (laughs) It all blends together. The months, the years, they all blends together. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we were talking about Superman and how I was impressed because I really enjoyed like the character development and emotional depth, but also at the same time, like being able to balance um, action, but like cheesy fluff, like feel good fluff. just being impressed by uh, Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason's run on Superman. And that's touches very much on like, I think what appeals to me so much about invincible is you don't get so much of the fluff, but as it goes on, uh, you really get to know everybody. So it's got a heavy focus on relationships and characters, but at the same time, like sometimes it'll be kind of feel good. A lot of times it'll just be not feel good and it'll be brutal. And <laughs> right. It has an interesting balance of things that, if not written well, wouldn't work very well. Because, like, even in this, what we've read for for the discussion today, like, there's some tonal shifts that could be super jarring and off-putting. But I always think it kind of works here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, it just feels natural somehow, even though it is jarring. But it's like, oh, I should have seen that coming. I didn't, but I should have. I'm sorry, I kind of launched into opinions a little quick. So it's basically what it is, in case you don't know. And I think for for people who haven't read this, there's there's a couple twists, and we'll do our usual. We'll we'll just kind of there will be spoilers, and eventually we'll get to the big spoiler of this first chunk. But maybe if we can hold that towards the end a little bit, sure. Invincible is the teenage son of Omni Man, an extraterrestrial superhero. Um, he's very much a, a very Superman type. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I don't think he has with a mustache, with a mustache, with like a seventies stash, like a Selleck, like a Tom Selleck thing. Mm-hmm. I guess it could or, be an eighties stash too. But yeah. yeah, Invincible inherited his father's superhuman strength and ability to fly, and uh, he's doing the superhero gig. He's he's a high school student, so we get a lot of uh, a lot of like him. I don't know that it, it's so because when I I don't think the first volume, the first whatever six four issues initially hooked me but i liked it i was like okay well this seems fun it's yeah. kind of lighthearted. it's, like, it's uh, coming of age kind of thing it's exactly. like exactly he's kind of a dork he's kind of a peter parker type but not really getting picked on you know like you see a lot of parallels to a lot of different superhero comics like mm-hmm. it, it like this stuff in high school does very much remind me of a young peter parker in high school kind of thing but then power sets that's more like superman yeah, he's just, he's a kid trying to balance his, he's got these new powers. And <laughs> he's very nonchalant about it. He's like, well, finally happened. Got some powers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, 
it's, and this is very much a, like a world where there are superheroes. Superheroes exist. His father had like come from outer space and, you know, was strong and like helping people out and like the world like embraced him pretty quickly. They're like, oh, this guy, this is a good guy. And he's like, you know, super strong. And he's like Superman, except they don't, you know, they don't have Superman. They have Omni-Man. Yeah. But there were other he- superheroes before him. So it's not an uncommon thing. It's like, you know, your standard Marvel or DC universe where it's like, yeah, there's superheroes and everybody knows they're superheroes. But um, well, many of them, and there's most teams of them, and there's teen teams and uh-huh. then the teen teams become the normal teams. And yeah, the whole thing, the whole legacy thing. Oh, yeah. A little bit. And there's even analogs for characters, you know, and I don't know why I enjoy when books do that so much. But when they don't have the rights to use these characters and like, well, we're just going to do this analog. We're going to have a Nightwing. And uh, yeah. I like I don't know why that amuses me so much. But it always <laughs> duplicate. Does. Instead of multiple man, yeah. Oh, duplicate. It's such a good name for it, though, too. Yeah. Duplicate. Well, I mean, yeah, they had me at hello on that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. right up your alley, man. It's a straight up pun there. Yeah. <laughs> a pun. I'm a, I'm a huge multiple man fan, anyways. And then make it a pun. Heck yeah. What, if anything, were you expecting going into this, Jesse? I really didn't have any expectations. I just knew it was Kirkman. So I knew that the writing would be pretty solid. Um, I I was aware of like the character design and I, I thought I liked the character design, but I really, other than that, I didn't have a whole lot of context for anything. Okay. I just knew it was a Kirkman property. It was pretty well written and I knew what the characters looked like. Kind of the art style a little bit. The art style, I find myself so conflicted about. Because in gen in general, I like it. I like the coloring. Corey Walker's art is the stuff I'm really conflicted about because it's super clean, and I like that aspect. It's not like um doesn't it's not like sketchy. It's very clean lines. It very looks very digital, kind of like, mm-hmm. and also kind of uh stylized in a little bit more of a classic cartoon style where you'll have lines like I think of um Adam Eve's hair, where there's always that just that one swoop that's essentially just a line that'll extend beyond you know no. her hair and stuff it's but his noses and there's <laughs> weird cheek lines that drive me wild it's like what what is that why is that there it's so weird <laughs> <laughs> oh huh. i i just get hung up on weird things i guess but the, i'm so i'm conflicted about it like i like how clean it is but also not wild about it but but his layouts are always good and um the angles are good proportions always look like he's good I just not wild about some of the stylistic decisions. Okay, I see what you're talking about with the nose. He's got like it's yeah, always like a swirl on it. Well, I mean, yeah, it, like there is that little bit. It, it basically, he's drawing extra attention to that point that comes out of the tip of the nose, but he doesn't always put it in the right spot. Yeah, um, yeah. It's and, almost like he puts a U. <laughs> or, oh yeah, yeah. On some people, it is legitimately like a swirl. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it varies quite a bit. And then Ryan Oatley, he comes in and he's got a little bit more of the uh, traditional comic book style with a little bit heavier lines. And but it always looks fantastic, too. So I between the two, I when I think of Invincible, I think of Cory Walker style, but I kind of prefer Ryan Oatley style. Yeah, I can see that because I'm flipping through later stuff and you don't have that weirdness with the nose. 
It's the main thing. Which I didn't I, I didn't notice it until you pointed it out and now I, I couldn't unsee it in those early issues. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, yeah, it's on everybody's nose. It's different in every single panel. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, and it's, <laughs> it's such an unnecessary detail for the most part. Oh yeah. And it's it, it's obviously, yeah, it's obviously a intentional stylistic choice. Uh, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm just not keen with it. But when you can see that the next guy, uh, like he tries not to like just totally take it away, but he's much more subtle about having that detail. Mm-hmm. The changeover is noticeable, but not extremely jarring. I guess the line work makes it a little yeah. bit more jarring, but like, I mean, he, he, his interpretation of the characters are all still like spot on to how they look yeah. before Mark, Mark and, and mom and dad in particular, like if, if you hadn't kept them pretty consistent, it would have been much more jarring, but it feels like those three characters in particular are still very familiar. Mm-hmm. Omni-Man still looks like Omni-Man. Mark still looks like Mark. And even um, even Eve uh, with her like hair swoop that I mentioned, like he doesn't do the the hair swoop beyond the, beyond the lineup because, I don't know, it's just not really in that kind of style, but it still looks exactly the same type of hair style, whatever. Mm-hmm. I like how they have that whole, like, uh, I'm looking at, uh, volume three right now and they have like a analog for Hydra and they even make a little, a little, uh, aside about it later. Like the problem with these groups is <laughs> basically Hydra. <laughs> oh, it's and they're like, I know. Right. <laughs> that's, ugh, that's, there's so much like, it feels like a, you know, a celebration of superhero conventions and super there's you know superhero comics and cliches and uh, tropes um mm-hmm. it also a little like loving jabs here and there um but doesn't exist purely in spoof because it's doing its own thing it has interesting characters and i think i i think what i appreciated about it is that um it has reverence for those tropes but it also because it knows those tropes so well uh it can have fun and take you down a road and then go the other way you know like mm-hmm. uh like you you just assume and and I don't know maybe maybe they do get together but like you just assume that Adam Eve and uh um and Mark are just going to hit it off and they're going to be they're going to spark some kind of relationship and at least in these first three issues no that doesn't even happen Mm-mm. no and almost when you... like almost like they wouldn't even consider it like he literally thinks of her like a sister which is weird because <laughs> she would be a mentor you know when the opportunity opens up they even then just like throw this other chick at him like yeah oh hey here's this girl that like we you don't know we've never mentioned before you don't know her at all but he's he's like oh yeah her for sure and it's kind of interesting because the relationship with her isn't even hardly touched on because like i i swear the next time you even see her is they're kissing and you're like whoa yes yeah when did that happen yeah it's like they just met and then and yeah and of course they're playing on that because then adam eve uh like flies up or whatever and sees that through the window and then that's that's pretty much the end of it mm-hmm. from from what i can tell but i mean like that's such a trope you know where it's like oh that unrequited love like mm-hmm. well i couldn't i couldn't date her because she was dating somebody else so but she deserves better but you know as soon as my opportunity presents itself but they don't even go there they don't even touch on it but it feels like a place that they're going to mm-hmm. 
the coming of age thing is really interesting because especially the first volume, it's very much like upbeat and kind of light and fun and everything's everything's all groovy. And then it does start to get into somewhat darker territory. And I, I found, and I'm trying not to extend beyond what we've read here, the series as a whole does really well at like evolving along with Mark. And mm-hmm. it's, I'm not sure... I don't think it's as much a case as like, well, the characters getting older or learning. So the stories are going to be a bit more adult or intense or whatever. I think it's a case of like, he gets into the world and is exposed to more like intense almost situations. Like na- yeah. Almost like a naivete. Like he has, he's naive to how things work. And the longer he's, you know, like the more time that he spends in it the more he understands how it actually works. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's reflected really well um, throughout the series. And it really gets us like a solid start in these three books, I think. Yeah, and like uh, the character work is interesting because you have you have these characters that you see a lot of and then you have these characters that you just see a little bit of, mm-hmm. but they're all kind of treated very similarly. You know, like, uh, like uh, even the characters that aren't superheroes. So like... Um, Oh, I'm trying to remember his name. The guy that he goes on a uh, college, like a college day oh, his, tour. Um, yeah. It's not Derek. Derek was one of the guys like with Kyle the or something. I don't even know what his name is. He even does the whole like Superman thing where he's like, um, can we fly? Oh, God. That's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and he's like this. Uh, and Mark's like, this is so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they it dates itself a little bit because this series has been going on for a while because mark does say something that i think might not necessarily be said now yeah yeah but and not to be is a it sense- derek is that is that the name of the kid oh wait maybe derek is the i think derek is the like guy the jerk. that yeah he's the jerk that the teacher tries to turn into a bomb or he does turn oh that's right oh my god Oh, that's okay. That reminds me of some, another like discussion point. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about some of this stuff where they're at the funeral and you see all the Im- old image comic heroes. Oh, is that, see, I was not, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the, uh, well, like uh savage dragon in particular, he's the one that they nail you over the head with, but you have like us Patriot and, uh, um, shadow Hawks even in there. Did you, speaking of, did you see Charlie Brown? pops up several times there's a bald headed brown oh now that i'm looking at it there's two versions of charlie brown there's in in the mall scene where i think it's i'm not sure if it's the first or second kid um that gets turned into a bomb and he wakes up in the mall before it blows up there's a a lady with this kid in a charlie brown shirt it's a yellow shirt with the zigzaggy stripe and he's a bald headed kid and then later on i think there's an older kid with bald head and the same kind of shirt at the college, I think. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Okay. I see him. William. William. God. God, that was driving me crazy. Thank you. Yeah, William. So you were saying like they treat even the non-superhero characters like kind of equally or like give them. Yeah. Yeah. So like William gets about the same amount of um, FaceTime as say like uh, the guy who leads the teen. I mean, the teen Titan team, basically. It's not Teen Titans, but uh, it's the Teen Team. Yeah, the, yeah literally, the that's their title. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, robot. Robot seems like one of the strangest characters because it's like 
like what's his deal he's he's just a robot what's what is his deal <laughs> yeah is he a, a person in a robot body what's going on uh-huh um he's such an interesting character uh we get a couple interesting like within these stories we get a couple arcs we got the arc of like somebody's uh, abducting teens from their high school and then they wake up with they're actually turned into a bomb like it's like if you know when they it's like when people get bombs strapped to them and sent off somewhere, except like their organs and stuff are actually turned into the inner workings of a bomb somehow. And it, uh, that's like kind of their first, it's kind of his first like big case or whatever. Not that they have like cases, but his right. first big dealing with a villain. In fact, the, the first issue opens with basically him flying with this guy who's got this bomb thing going on and oh, then yeah, tossing yeah. him. And he blows up. And that's something I kind of wanted to touch on was how it handles death. Because, I mean, not that they're they're affected by it, but it's not like, for example, the kid that wakes up in the mall or there's a, another kid that wakes up in a mall and um, Invincible and Omni-Man, Mark and his dad come across it. And his dad, like, opens the shirt. And he asks him, like, who, you know, did you see who did this? And the kid's like, what? Like, he doesn't know what the heck's going on. And he opens the shirt and there's like one second on the timer. So his dad just tosses the kid out the, out the ceiling. So he doesn't blow up in the mall. Um, right. And it's such a strange, like, I mean, what else is he going to do? But it's such a strange, rather like, he just does it kind of cavalierly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you understand well, and that, why, and that, but it's still strange. I was going to say, well, and it becomes even more obvious as time goes on, as we get to some of the later, yeah, the later yeah. plot devices, it's like, okay, yeah, okay. But yeah, it is really, it is really jarring. But you also get to see that pretty early on in the way that uh, Mark deals with things versus the way his dad deals with things. Like uh, the guy that, what was it? The alien Alan. that comes. Alan, yeah. Which is super fun where it's like, okay, um, I, I'm, I'm really busy. I need you to go deal with Alan, basically deal with Alan. You don't know that that's his name at that time. Mm-hmm. But you're like, you're like, all right, it's time. You get, you get to go fight. He'll fight the the alien garden guardian guy. The, he he just comes at this time every year. I don't know why. And then and then Mark is like, "Hey, why do you come every year at this time?" And he's like, "Well, oh, you don't know." <laughs> and he, they just talk about it, and we're like, "Oh, oh, you've been coming to the wrong planet for years." <laughs> like he just has a conversation with the guy and straightens everything out, whereas his dad would just like like beat him up and throw him into the sun, kind of thing. And that's. Such a when in doubt, throw him in space. That's something that comes yeah, up later. You know, you know why not? But that's such <laughs> a well handled section because first off, it's 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 kind of a bit of fun. It also sets mm-hmm. up that they can fly into space. That he just needs to hold his breath, and sometimes his dad can hold his breath for up to two weeks, so he's sure he'll be fine. Right. It sets up the universe that they exist in because you know at least it, it paints a broader picture of like the universe outside of just what's happening on earth oh sure like like it's not just heroes on earth like there's you know creatures with powers all over the universe yeah because alan's job is to show up every so often like there's a waiting list of planets who are like we want to be tested or whatever and he shows up fights that planet's uh chosen champion just to make sure that their defenses are up to par or whatever and right. just so there's like this whole like organization set up to do that kind of stuff. And just that paints like a, an intriguing picture of like, well, wow. Okay. What else is going on out there? Right. 
Plus, it, as you said, it kind of shows the difference between how Mark handles things and how his dad handles things. And, and Mark's mom even kind of rubs it in his dad's face a bit, which is fun. But right. Yeah. It's like, I was just, he's like, oh, you defeated that guy. It's really, or, you know, he's like proud of him for defeating the guy. He's like, yeah, I just talk to him. He's like, what? <laughs> Did you ever think yeah. to do that? <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you ever try that? No. Alan shows up later in the book too, in this, in what we read. Oh yes. Yeah. And he is, he is a great character. He's one of my favorites. <laughs> I don't know who to compare him to, but he reminds me of something, you know, he's just like, he's just a nice guy. I mean, like once you know what's actually his deal. Right. He's even like, oh, you're like apologetic for the mistake and yeah, <laughs> wasting 15 years going. And to when you planet. see him again, he's just like genuinely trying to help. He's just like, you need to know about this. Oh, and then so when yeah, when they're having a, a heart to heart, well, kind of a heart to heart. Well, the fact that they do kind of have a heart to heart towards the end of this, him and Alan. And it's like like Alan's it's like, whoa, like he's actually like being super sympathetic and. Mm-hmm. like reading it this time through i was like wow I'm like i don't know it's not just like oh i'm sorry to hear that well this is what's going on he's like well let's sit down and talk about this yeah yeah <laughs> Urath, where's that <laughs> this is earth <laughs> skink's dead <laughs> it's not skink uh there's also this hits me on like a lot of like awesome sci-fi levels because there's also at one point, like they get invaded by these aliens. I think it's the first like kind of horde of aliens Mark goes up against with his dad. Not that there's a bunch of them in this or anything, but that came through th- from another dimension. And they found that the long they were fighting them and they kept getting easier to fight because they were aging super fast. So they figured time. Oh, yes. Yeah. And at one point, Omni-Man, his dad gets pulled into there and he's gone for, I don't, what did they say, maybe a couple of weeks or a couple of days. But he said yeah. time worked different over there that he could have been there for months or years. He wasn't sure, but it was a long time. Um, so I, I just love that concept. Well, and, uh, you know, like uh, we start to see the seeds of what will be the big reveal, mm-hmm. like re- already in the second volume uh, in eight is enough. Uh, we start to see like uh, the dad just all of a sudden makes a questionable decision. Like we mentioned the uh, I, I don't know if I. I don't know when I mentioned it, but I mentioned uh, there's a, a funeral that's going to come up, you mm-hmm. know, like not everything warrants like a straight up funeral. Like death is kind of dealt with on a very casual level in the in these books. But like when it comes to a superhero, if a superhero is killed, then you get a full blown superhero uh, funeral, just like you'd see at the end of the death of Superman or something. Mm hmm. And so uh, there's there's something that happens uh, in the course of the book where uh, one of these major heroes that you would consider like a JLA kind of uh, person gets killed. And uh, and you get all these references to uh, other image heroes of the time. So you've got like a Savage Dragon and you've got a U.S. Patriot and you've got um, Shadowhawk and they're just kind of they're just kind of there. But you start to see, uh, like, like how that superhero is killed is like, what? It's that first jaw dropping, like, what's going on here moment. Uh huh. And oh, yeah. that just sits there. That just sits there for about a half a book, you know. Oh, you're right. Like they don't. A- they don't answer it until you get into the third volume. 
and I'm being purposely vague because I don't know if now's the time to explain or not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I suppose we could. Man, this stuff with War Woman, when she pops up, it goes so like Kirby. Oh, no, no, absolutely does. Like the art style in particular. They even have the Kirby crackle. The Kirby crackle all over everything. And that yeah. and that dude that comes through just looks like a Kirby character. Man, that's awesome. Well, and then when she puts on her outfit, she looks like Big Barda almost. Uh-huh. I mean, like a mix between Big Barda and, and Wonder Woman, which is what she's obviously supposed to kind of look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have these guardians of the this guard these guardians of the globe, and I guess we could lead into some of the super spoilery stuff because we're getting we're getting there. Um, but they have these guardians of the globe, and they're totally it's totally a, a JLA or a Justice League analog, right? Blatantly, uh, they have a fish guy who's bored, <laughs> and yeah, they have War Woman, like we mentioned. They have a, a Martian Manhunter, but who? What did they call him? Like Martian Man. <laughs> probably and he's super strange and then their version of green lantern is this it's a green ghost and he like has this green stone that he has to swallow to get his powers yeah and when he's done he has to like vomit it up and it's so gross yeah <laughs> when they even have this whole scene where he like vomits it up because they're done and it's like oh no i've gotta swallow it again yep <laughs> can i at least <laughs> do, you, do you can I at least clean up nope no time <laughs> Oh, and then the immortal, which is, I think the immortal is, I don't know. Omni-Man is very much like their Superman, but the immortal is kind of the same kind of deal, except, yeah. well, he's immortal. Like he's, he can fly and he's super tough, but he's like the most interesting man in the world, uh, bearded version of Superman. He, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and his introduction is where they come across the, some old guy who this, uh, what does he call himself? Uh, he's basically strapped on like this biplane jetpack thing. Yeah, he's obviously the vulture, but and he's 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 got cancer, so he's going to suicide bomb the guy. But he's also got like all kinds of like poison and stuff. It's going to irradiate the area, uh, the people below him. And the immortal says, "When in doubt, throw them in, throw them into space." So he just chucks them into space. <laughs> oh and, yeah, and then way later. I think it's when Alan shows back up towards the end of this volume, the, the third volume. There's one panel where you can see that guy dead in space floating. Oh, no. Yes. I, I don't think I caught that. Oh, yeah. No. So good. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so this not JLA, not Justice. Oh, and there's also a Flash character. They're all called to an emergency situation. And this is like the big. I mean, there's been little adventures, but this is like where it kind of all starts to turn. Yeah. And this, the series is really good. Like even just through these three books is like each book almost sets up like here's the introduction to the world. The first book, uh, you know, the characters and it ends with like you leaving you thinking like, okay, well here's okay. Well, that's, that's what this story is. Here's the status quo. And then the next book like picks up with that. But then by the time that one ends, it's almost like it's changed or it's slightly different or it's like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to be. And yeah. uh, the series is good about doing that. But uh, these guys get horribly murdered and gory. Yeah, like they just show up at the. They were like, "Hey, we've, we're here. We're here. It's time to start." Oh, oh, it's, my head's gone. It's so you good. know, like like you see guts and stuff, and you don't even know who's doing it because the the book is okay. So the the trade, of course, is split into chapters. Each chapter would have been would have been the issue, the floppy. Almost the entire issue is introducing each of these characters. Each one gets several pages 
And then once they all come together, they're just murdered instantly. Yeah. So it's so like Kirkman messing with you. Right. Well, I mean, like if you've read any of The Walking Dead, you also know that this is kind of Kirkman's MO where it's like you think you know a character and then boom, it flips it on you, you know, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And uh, and that's totally how that second volume ends is that you find out who killed them all. And it's, should, do, do I say now? I yeah, mean, go for it. Oh, that, that is the it's, volume. It's, yeah, I mean, right at the end, it's the very last page. Um, it's it's Mark's dad. It's Omni-Man kills yeah. them all. Like, and these are his co, uh, I mean, I, I don't think Omni-Man is in the Guardians of the Globe at this time, but he was in the Guardians of the Globe at, at one time. So they all know him and he's worked with them, but then boom, he just like kills them all. Mm-hmm. Kills them and all. then they just leave it at that. That's it. Like that's the end. The next book starts with, uh, you know, it starts with the next chapter starts with the funeral or whatever. No, I, well, the ends with that volume ends with that. The next one, the next book starts with Star Trek. Like, oh yeah, totally Star Trek, not Star Trek. The next generation specifically. Yeah. 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 Oh, and Alan, because randomly, was this just, what does that even have to do with anything? Oh, it just establishes that Alan's got to get to Earth. You know, they've got download instead of data. And yeah, it's good stuff. Alan saves them and then flies off. It's like, I got stuff to do. <laughs> and then you go back to, uh, you go back to uh, Mark and his family and they're just hanging out. And uh, and Mark and, and dad are just going to watch Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. We're like nothing ever happened. He just killed all of his co his teammates and then boom, here we are playing catch and, and hanging out watching movies. As a old school zombie movie fan, I appreciated that it is full on Day of the Dead. And then when they're watching it, it they it's even the opening lines, the hello, hello, is anybody there? Like that's oh yeah. That's straight up that's legit, that's Day of the Dead. But of course, you know, it's Kirkman, he knows his zombie stuff. Oh yeah. But yeah, also uh Robert robot. Oh, he gets called up. Yeah. Yeah. He gets called up by the government that and the government kind of, um, the guardians of the globe is like a government thing. Government funded, I guess. Well, it was, it was partially privately funded, but with, since they're all dead, they've gone to robot to set up and lead a new guardians of the globe. But we get introduced introduction. We get kind of get more of an insight into how these, at least the upper level superhero teams work when they do the whole, um, like audition to be on the team kind of thing. And you get to meet a lot more characters. So, I mean, like, even though the top of the top have just been decimated, there's, there's still that many heroes on the planet that they can just hold auditions, Mm -hmm. uh, American idol style to fill the ranks. Oh, in this volume, we also get, I mean, I guess we get a little bit of it earlier too, but we get invincible and Adam Eve working together and that's fun. And it seems like even though they like, patrol and stuff together in earlier issues we don't actually get a whole lot of that right but these tryouts are great monster girl she's awesome so crazy the okay let's talk about the molar molar twins or the clones i guess the two blue guys they're they're, they don't even seem that important but they keep popping up is these two blue guys they're bad guys they pop up at the funeral uh mark fights them at one point because they're stealing game boxes oh yes okay but they bring back the immortal they just they tried to put mind control trips in his head and it didn't work but they reattached the immortal's head so that establishes that the immortal can keep coming back to life so long as his parts are put back together right so the immortal who is one of the ones that definitely saw 
who was murdering them before he got murdered, he's alive. He's back. He's alive again. So that's true. Yeah. When he, he throws down with Omni man and, uh, and Mark kind of shows up in the middle of it and, uh, he watches it happen. Like, uh, Omni man tries to, uh, he tries to like fly off into a uh, area where you like, uh, television news cameras wouldn't catch it happening, mm-hmm. but then he just like kills them again kind of thing. But Mark's th- right there. So now he's kind of like, what is going on? And this is, yeah, this is this for, I mean, I was, I was digging it up until this point, but I think this is like, for me was the big, like the big hook when this happened, because right. it, it like, you know, you've got, this is not what I expected. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it, this is doing something new. It's, it's again, setting up a kind of a expectations and then just shaking the crap out of you because up to this point, at least for me, and maybe it might've been different for you because you're like, okay, well, his dad definitely killed those guys. But like, was he under, like, did he really like, or was he? Yeah. As a Maxwell Lord kind of thing where he's under mind control. What's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But here you get the super brutal, like you get the explanation of, you know, why he did it. He just tears, he just tears the immortal in half this time covered in his blood while uh well he's he's like uh mark we gotta talk which is he's the whole he's been they've been leading up to this where he's like practicing this like mark we need to talk speech right <laughs> and so i like that they when he finally gets into it he's covered in blood he just ripped the immortal <laughs> in half and he's like right. oh uh we need to talk <laughs> yeah yeah so even when it's like grotesque and horrifying like it's still funny and then he lays out, he, he, his people are basically, I was speaking, speaking of like, they're, they're, they're like Kryptonians. It's funny. It's funny because it's like both stories are very like Superman analogs, uh-huh. you know, but it's like Superman analog from the original Superman run versus Superman analog from like later depictions of Krypton kind of thing. Whereas like Krypton's just very, this is how it is and we conquer places and we're cold you know and uh like in the first version you just thought okay it's basically superman and that's the base level we're gonna get and uh and now in this it's like oh no yeah we're totally we totally just fight and take over places and we just got organized about it and uh so my job was to come here and take over and a nice bit of yeah i mean they're very much survival of the fittest world conquering horrible murderers oh yeah a nice bit of art even though this is before and after the artist change is if you look at the his first telling of like the nice version the fake version of the his or of his people and then look at this it's panel for panel like the layouts are the same it's panel for panel Mm -hmm. the same except obviously depicting things differently and right that's just a nice nice touch yeah, nice callback. Absolutely. Also, during all this, you see Alan's people getting attacked. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and they're getting, <laughs> like, destroyed by his people. Mm-hmm. So you wonder if uh, Alan isn't, like, a refugee of his own planet. And so he's like, so, you know, Mark, you got powers, and it's, it's time to, like, think about helping me take over this this planet. And Mark's having none <laughs> yeah, of time, it. T- time to start the family business, son. And <laughs> And uh, by the way, you're just going to be me pretty soon because I have really aggressive genes. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, and we also get the interesting bit of um, 
they age slower as they get older. So he's like, you could potentially live for thousands of years. But I don't, I don't understand. Obviously, the, he, he didn't want it to go down like this, but I don't know how he thought Mark would be down for this at all. Right. He was raised as a human boy, basically. Not only raised as a human boy, but like, I think Omni-Man kept up the facade too well. And he even says it some, uh, like certain points, he like felt like he was just falling into like, he was just going to live that life and uh, for, you know, ignore his duties. But um, you'd think he'd like would have taken the opportunity to like kind of instill some things in Mark's upbringing that might lend him towards being down for this. <laughs> but he was raised. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. By one of the most powerful superheroes to be a good guy. And it's like and then all of a sudden he's going to flip on that and expect Mark just to be down. Right. <laughs> and then he's like knocking him through buildings is like see son you see this is not your world <laughs> like oh wow yeah okay he just punched him through buildings yeah he he sees now and they don't <laughs> this isn't a this isn't a man of steel or uh what was apocalypse x-men apocalypse um oh yeah deal where just cities are being destroyed but like they're not really thinking but about there's casualties. no yeah you don't you don't see any casualties or anything yeah they make a point of like he's like of thousands of people died in this i want to say oh fight, yeah like but he it's smashes not, them into uh he smashes mark right into a, a like a l train kind of thing like full of people and you see the other people like falling out of the train and it's it's pretty uh yeah oh it's yeah it's pretty awful it collapsed several buildings and he knocks him into buildings or into uh, mountains and the mountains get or avalanche down onto villages, like just maximum damage. And he's just, it's not even a fight. He's just beating the crap out of Mark. And oh yeah, it's pretty brutal. Although he's got a couple, there's a couple moments like when he throws him into the ocean and he, he looks down at Mark, like unconscious in the ocean and he like grabs him and pulls him out that he's like, I don't necessarily want to kill the kid now, but right, right. Yeah, it's a it's a good moment where he's like talking about, you know, the older we get, the slower we age and everyone, you know, you'll outlive every fragile thing being on this planet. And he's like, well, you know, what will you have after 500 years trying to be like, you know, why would you want to protect these people? Because they're not going to stick around. You'll end up alone. And he says, you, dad, I'd still have you. And that shakes him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shakes him. And but not like in not like in a, you know. Not in the way where it's like, okay, oh, you're right, son. <laughs> he just takes off. Yeah. Rather than just kill Mark, he just takes off. And there's even a shot where he's flying out into space. He's got tears. Like, it's pretty good. Like, he's clearly he's a bad dude, but he has been on Earth too long. He has some emotions, but you yeah. assume he would. It's his son and his family and stuff. Yeah, that's the big That's the Yeah, big that's thing. a pretty big twist there. And then after that, you know, Mark's messed up, but he heals and then... We get his introduction into like the government facility and this Cecil guy or Cecil. Oh yeah. And you start to find out just how, uh, how his dad was connected to the government basically. Yeah. Cause the government was basically like he worked for the government and that's what they are setting Mark up with here. He's like, now that your dad's gone, you know, we'll help you and your mom out, but you need to take his place. You have some fun, uh, you also see, have some fun, like sci-fi stuff where like they'll walk into a room and it's basically like matrix style, uh, perception filter where like there is a room full of things going on, but all Mark sees is a white room. Mm -hmm. And they can do this because of stuff that's been put into the water. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, well, how, how if it's the lights, then how come we can see each other? And he's, we're that, he's, that's complicated. Explaining that would waste, would be a waste of time, a lot of time. So I like the whole idea of like, here's this little right. hole in the science, science logic. And he's like, eh, we don't have time for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comic books. Uh, yep. <laughs> Wave your hand, comic books. And I like how this ends. I like how it ends. It's him and Alan talking on the moon or telepathically talking on the moon because you can't talk in space. And Alan's like, so, you know, what are you going to do? And he's, Mark says, finish high school, I guess. That's fun and interesting, despite all the crazy stuff that's happened up to this point. Yeah, he just perseveres. What do you think? Live, live up to the hype or yeah, it was good, but not amazing? Well, I mean, like, there's a lot of hype surrounding this book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, like... That's tough to say, but I think that, uh, I think if I had only read the first volume, like what we usually do is we usually just take one volume. And in this case, we went ahead and did three volumes. I think if I had only read that first volume, I would have been like, okay, this is all right. Mm -hmm. And that would have been that. But I think, I mean, even just the addition of the second volume, but definitely the addition of the third volume where you really get to see that first huge plot twist come to full fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really helped say, okay, yeah, there's more going on here than just being another superhero book for a different company. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I felt. And I'm glad you got through at least volume three, because uh, like I said, volume three was definitely the big hook for me. Although volume two was good and it had all the guardians of the globe stuff, which was fun. And yeah. And I agree. Like if I had just read the first volume, I'd have been like, yeah, that was okay, but it, you know, not necessarily what I'm looking for, you know, it's sure, but it feels like it doesn't accurately represent what the series is. But I mean, I guess at that time it did. It's just the series evolves or whatever. Well, and in the uh, intro, they always talk about like the pitch for Invincible uh-huh. and how everybody was sold immediately on it. And so I want I wonder what that pitch was like, you know, like, because it had to be a little bit more. F- far reaching than okay he's basically like superboy yeah you know like it, it couldn't you know it could it couldn't have been just that it had to be like okay he's superboy if superboy were actually the son of zod you know like that's a little closer oh yeah to what we actually get oh no that's actually yeah that's actually pretty good that's kind of spot on so where you think he's the superman the son of superman turns out he's it's zod right it's a series and part of, and this is why, you know, made the old long game Kirkman. That's kind of why I make the joke because I think it's a series that only gets stronger as it goes. Sure. Which isn't always the case. Like sometimes you'll get series that kind of like eh, fade away or whatever, but it world builds so well and it continues to do so. And all these like weird little side characters you, you've seen in these first three issues, a lot of them will get explored a lot more. Some of them will, in fact, I'd, Almost all of them get explored a lot more and, and odd characters that are in here for like, like throwaway characters show up later and have important parts. And oh yeah, I don't know. Kirkman just handles that long storytelling so well to where obviously this is, it's super serial. It's very serialized. <laughs> it's too, super serial. Favorite characters. Cause this is definitely an, and again, as the series goes on, becomes more apparent. This is definitely a character book. Like. There's so many characters and they get flushed out, fleshed out so well. What are some of your favorite characters from these first three volumes? 
Oh, that's t- that that starts to get tough. I mean, like I I really like Omni Man, mm-hmm. especially at first, you know, um, you know, and then you find out that you shouldn't like him at all, you know. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, like Omni Man's super fun at first, you know. He's just like I don't know. He's he's like uh, he's like Ward Cleaver. If Ward Cleaver had superpowers, you know, he's just like, he's just, honey, I'm home, you know, kind of thing. They have this, this almost Brady Bunch, ridiculously uh, suburban white uh, lifestyle kind mm-hmm. of thing. And then, and then you come to find out that it's totally not what you think it is. But yeah, initially you like, yeah, Omni-Man was, was awesome. Uh, Mark is, Mark is a lot of fun, uh, but he's kind of like, he's hard to get a beat on. He's hard to, he's hard to read. And for whatever reason, I like robot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's super stoic and whatever. And uh, kind of Sheldon Coopery from big bang theory, where he's just like, he just tells it how it is and does not care if he offends you. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily like he doesn't recognize that what he's saying is offensive. He just doesn't care. He's he's not literally doesn't care. He's not going out of his way to be a jerk. He's just being downright honest and like utilitarian about it just like nope this is how it is like many of you many of you uh you know some of you would have made the team but your powers are redundant with other people we chose for the team and some of you shouldn't even been here to a to uh audition you know who you are (laughs) like all right yes i like mark's buddy you're right about mark he's hard to get a beat on just because he's he's fun but he's very He's he's rather plain. He's also very serious, you know. Like he's just like, well, I gotta get an A. Yeah, so I'm gonna study, you know. Like, he, and then he was like, oh, well, okay, time to go fight some crimes. Yeah, he's not milk toast. He's just very. He's kind of basic. He's just uh, plain. And I don't know if that's a matter of like, well, I just kind of want this neutral character in the middle yeah. of it, or if it's like not gonna make him extreme one way or the other, so that as a reader could project themselves onto him or I'm not sure what the deal is, but But that's the thing is like, you've got, that's why I mentioned Spider-Man early on is like, uh, you know, in that Spider-Man coming of age thing, you kind of identify with Peter Parker because he's the kid that gets picked on and who doesn't think that they were kind of picked on. If not, you were like, unless you were the super cool kid, you probably didn't feel like you were the super cool kid. And even the super cool kid, in high school, probably didn't feel like they were the super cool kid. But uh, Mark just feels like Mark. He doesn't feel like he ever really gets picked on. He's got one guy that's kind of a jerk to him. And that's about it. He He's like super normal guy. Not yeah. to a fault because he's too normal to have like that big of a fault, but almost to a fault. Like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, Mark. No. Yeah. Okay. I forgot about that guy. No. Yeah. Mark's cool. That kind of guy. Right. Yeah. In the series overall, one of my favorite characters is Adam Eve, but yeah, based on these, like she's not bad here, but based on these, I don't, I'm not sure when I come across, when I like decided that, like, because she's okay here, but she's not amazing. Yeah, I like her. I like her, but I don't think like she's great yet. I mean, if she, maybe something changes that makes her incredible, but she's not like Wonder Woman awesome yet. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like we don't actually, Oh, I think we get more into like what her powers actually are later on. We don't get to see her use her powers, but maybe once and to fly like she uses them in battle, like once, otherwise she just kind of flies around and stuff, but her powers are super cool. And when she uses them, interestingly, it's cool. 
we really don't see a lot of explanation of anybody's powers huh. in these first three issues now that you mention it i mean uh the immortal is maybe the closest thing and even then we don't get a full like rundown his his backstory is amazing I don't even want to say because it'll spoil it because when you come across this little bit of information about him, you're like, what? What? It's so <laughs> oh, yeah. amazing and ridiculous, but it's, it works. I like Robot a lot, too. He continues to be a cool character. And I think your assessment of him is completely accurate because he can be cold. And yeah, that'll continue. Some really interesting things happen with him. Uh Monster Girl is an interesting character that we don't like get to see anything much about, but uh, they play her so well here. Oh, yeah. And well, because she makes it into the Guardians, right? Yeah. Yep. She made yeah. it into the Guardians. Oh, and the mother. I like the mother character a lot. I like how she's played. Other than the fact right. that all she does apparently is laundry. Right. right Every time yeah. it cuts to her at home, she's doing laundry. And I'm like, OK, OK, come on, man. <laughs> but uh, right. Like, she can have a life outside of just doing laundry. I get that, like, there's a joke that she always has to do laundry for these guys, but, you know, give her something else to do. But I like her personality, and I like her character, and I like that this all the superheroics, for the most part, like, it's not that she's disinterested. She's just totally used to it. It's day-to-day life. She's not super, she's not a superhero, but just living with one, now two superheroes, like, when they come back and tell her these insane stories about where they've been and what they've been doing. She's, <laughs> she's like, like, that's nice, dear. That's nice. Pass the potatoes. <laughs> and yeah, but she's not completely disinterested because, you know, when Omni man's gone for a long time or when crazy stuff is happening at the end, like she's obviously like bothered by it and upset. Well, and it's brutal. It's brutal. The way that she like, here's the whole story is like, Oh yeah. I just let her listen to the tape. Of all the things that he said. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. He's, Brutal. He said she was like a pet to him. But, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I enjoy the series quite a bit. Yeah, it was it was, it was a good read. I enjoy it. And uh, I would recommend it for sure, um, especially if you like superheroes, but you're looking for something a little different, something that really celebrates superheroes, but, you know, goes new places or strange places. I'm not sure. I think it might have got cut, but. The first time I was on Grindbin, they were asking me about comic books, what I would recommend. And I don't know that recommending this was the best thing, especially on what, are, you know, on what that audience, uh, their audience would be. I probably could have thought, thought of something better, but I kind of throw invincible at people who are like, I'm like, if I'm like, it's superhero comics, but I think it would have appeal for people that aren't generally into superhero comics, but I'm not sure if that's right or not, because there's much more enjoyment to be had and nods and references in it. If you know, oh, superhero as comics. a fan. Yeah, sure. Sure. But I just yeah, think I, the, see that. I just think the character work and the like crazy plot twists occasion, you know, the occasional crazy plot twists and stuff I think would be enough to hook a non superhero fan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like this is a book we could probably talk for quite a while about, but, uh, but let's not. Let's <laughs> as stop. good a place as any to probably stop there. Um, yeah, and I've we've got some some quick letters. Oh, letters page. Let's do it. This is Randy from in the future, and I have a very important message for you. The Grolix podcast is missing something, and that something is you. Join our letters page segment 
If you have thoughts on what we're reading, what we just read, what we're about to read, what you're reading, or you just want to say hi, send us an email to letters at growlixpodcast.com and we'll read and discuss your letter on the show. What? What the devil? What are you doing here? Hey folks, this is Randy from Further in the Future. And what my former self neglected to mention is we also have a Google Voice line. You can call it, leave a message, and we will play that message on the next episode of the Grolux Podcast. Try to keep it under two minutes. Whatever you want to talk to us about, talk to us about it. Ideally, something related to the show. Dial 559-426-6427, or if this helps you remember, 559-4-COMICS. Type that into your phone, you'll be connected to our voicemail, leave us a message, and we will play it on the show. This is getting ridiculous. Get out of my way, get out of my way. This is Randy from even further in the future. And what these two knuckleheads neglected to mention is if you'd rather send us an mp3 recording of yourself to play on the show, you can hit that email. Again, that's letters at growlixpodcast.com with an mp3 attachment, and we'll play it during the show. Just try to keep your language clean and keep it under two minutes. Also, hey Bonehead, did you just shoot our younger self? Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's cool. Shouldn't we be doing the Marty McFly disappear from the picture act right now? No, it's fine, he, he was a time remnant. Oh, a time. That doesn't make sense. That do- a time remnant doesn't make sense. At some point, older Randy has to travel back to talk to younger Randy. But if older Randy kills younger Randy, younger Randy never gets to become older Randy and travel back in time. It's time travel, not cloning. We're not cloning and sending ourselves back. We're just time traveling. You don't know that. We could be operating on primer rules. In that case, <laughs> there can only be one. Again, from Twitter. Uh, just like last episode, uh, we got some, some Twitter questions. Uh, and, uh, so these, these come again from, uh, the superior squad, hashtag superior squad connected to the superior comic show at superior comic 16. Anyways, uh, this one comes from Sekra and, uh, it's at Sekra underscore XP. She actually has two questions for us. Uh, the first one is a little bit more comic related in, uh, Marvel comics in particular. And she asks uh, what we thought about Marvel Generations, you know, like what and basically what do we think uh, we're going to get out of it in terms of, uh, you know, like what's the payoff? What's the point of Marvel Generations? And so I don't know, you know, like we we hit comics kind of all over the place. So this is very much current current affairs. This is very much like um breaking comic news kind of stuff mm-hmm. like uh they're just now coming out these generation books and they are basically like the precursor to what is this whole marvel legacy thing where they're rebranding everything and they're bringing everything back to legacy numbering so you know like hulk is going to be issue 500 or something which marvel is notorious for starting things over at number 1 again and again and again it's and so again. it's such a strange thing to do Oh, wait, wait, no. First, I'll do my first joke. Uh, Marvel Generations, is, is that the new, like, Shazam family book? <laughs> okay. Yeah, there you go. Oh, you got get your uh, DC digs in there. It's DC, right? Oh, wait, no, it's not DC. <laughs> she doesn't talk about DC. Um, no, it's such a strange thing to do for Marvel. Okay, it's kind of strange for when DC did it with, with uh, Action Comics and Detective Comics, but they only deviated from it for one volume of books. Mm-hmm. A lot of Marvel books have re 
restarted at number one several times over at this point, haven't they? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've got some books that are on like volume six. They don't, I don't even know if they like, I, I think we talked about this in the pre-show, uh, but, uh, I think that there's books that they don't even call volume six or seven or whatever for, for the sake of, of organization. They just say, uh, Spider-Man 2016. Cause this is the yeah. version of Spider-Man that started in 2016. Yeah. Marvel's been so on the like renumbering train for, for a long time now. And you know, it drives me nuts when DC does this kind of stuff too. I understand why both companies do it. They're like, well, it's a new number one. You'll get people to jump on a number one. But as a with, a, with with the kind of collector mentality, like, no, you stick to the original number. You don't deviate. I want to know. Right. I want to know what you're up to. I want to know how many of those I have. I want to know what I'm missing. And, you know. And it's so much harder to keep track if you keep starting over. <laughs> right, right. And it's like, so, okay, they're going to go back to legacy number. DC, at least, they jump to what the legacy number would be if they hadn't renumbered. So all those detective comics, the DC... um New DC, New 52 detective comics slot into where those would be in the numbering scheme. What's right? Like, how's Marvel going to handle it? Are they just going to go to what the next number is? It's willy nilly. Like, they'll, they'll grab things that were, um, like Incredible Hulk. (laughs) Like, how are you going to figure that out? Because, uh, you've got all these different offshoots of the Hulk. Uh, and then do you count the ones that were the Incredible Herc? where Hercules was in charge of the book for a while. Oh, no. I mean, like technically that's not a Hulk book anymore. So, I mean, I don't know. It's uh, like I've seen, I've seen some of the, uh, I've seen some of their logic and it doesn't work sometimes. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> this is bizarre. Um, okay. So like her question about Marvel generations though. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that is, is um, it's these books where they're taking uh, the old school, uh, and mixing it with the new school. So they go on an adventure together. So for example, right now, Wolverine is dead. So it's uh X 23 wearing the Wolverine. She is the current Wolverine. So she goes on like a time travel mission and, and is fighting right alongside Wolverine, oh, uh, you know, okay. Logan Wolverine. So not even old man, Logan, but like regular Wolverine by X 23 Wolverine. Um, so you've got Amadeus Cho is the current Hulk and Bruce Banner is dead in the Marvel universe. So somehow we've got Bruce Banner Hulk and Amadeus Cho Hulk, you know, that kind of thing. Or Jane Foster, uh, she Thor or Lady Thor or whatever, whatever your preferred title is for her. Um, and uh, the regular Thor or the, the male Thor, I guess, Odin's son. And so you have them both together in the same book. And they're just these one shots. Um, I don't, I really don't know what to expect from them. I haven't read any of them and I really don't even have any interest in them. Um, I don't know. I suppose they'd be fun, uh, but I just, I just don't see how they're going to tie in or what really the purpose will be other than just a quick fun distraction while they get us ready for whatever legacy is going to be. I mean, and, and they're not really even telling us what legacy is going to be, but it seems like they're piggybacking off of the success of rebirth. They, they kind of seem like they've been hinting that, uh, you know, like, and the speculation is that we'll get fantastic four back again. I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not, but that's what everybody's kind of hoping for is that we're going to have a return to the Marvel of old kind of idea. Interesting. Well, wasn't this whole, 
they just shouldn't have done it. D- don't follow DC in the first place. And then <laughs> oh, you yeah. won't have to try to follow them back when they realize they made the mistake. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, it, I mean, not knowing anything about what these books really are, the one-offs. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to guess they're just kind of almost what ifs or whatever, you know, just kind of a fun aside. Like oh yeah. Prop. They have to probably have to be, you know, that would be my guess. Like a paradox thing, like the throw, throw Dr. Who rules in there where it's like, oh, well, this is now an aberrant timeline and you'll just forget it or, or, it, or it won't matter to the current timeline anyways. I can say because it, 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 and it's the same for DC, but part of the thing, but one of the things that, and I've dived into some Marvel stuff occasionally, like quite a while ago, I was reading, I was fairly up on all new X-Men because the, I was it all new X-Men? Yeah, yeah, with the young X-Men coming to the future yeah, or the present. The, yeah. the concept was pretty interesting. And uh, traditionally, I've liked X-Men stuff quite a bit. And if you're not up on DC stuff, I'm assuming it's just the same. But it seems like it all gets so messy as what you could consider a new reader, since I don't read much Marvel. Like, I have no idea where I'd even want to start. And when I hear, like, Jesse as a longtime Marvel reader, like, confused and kind of... um disappointed or, well, or yeah. <laughs> whatever uh, dismayed by like the mess of whatever this last event was like i'm just like oh hey, not even the last event the current the last sev- i mean the several that's that's where i'm coming from is that these events have stacked in unusual ways and some of them i just don't even care about like i don't even know what happened and i don't care to know you know like but i mean it's that's just that event fatigue kind of thing um, and some of them have been fine. Some of them been fun. And it's been my general, uh, it's been my general criticism of Marvel events is that they got into some kind of a formula where it's like six to eight, uh, issues and it's done, whether it's done or not. Oh, interesting. You know, like, you know, like, uh, and that kind of started with, maybe it didn't start with civil war, but it kind of continued from civil war where you had civil war for about six to eight issues. And then you had, uh, not too, too long after, I don't remember what the exact next one was, but I think it was like secret invasion where the scrolls had, had been secretly replacing people for years. It was basically like a spiritual, uh, sequel to the scroll Cree war kind of thing. And it's like, well, yeah, that's their whole thing. They're shapeshifters. They replace you. You never knew they were a, were a scroll. And it's a great idea. And they wrap it up in six issues. No, that's a long game thing, man. You know, like, and the idea is uh, like, like the, the way they tried to get around it was that, oh, no, it was always happening. It was always happening. And we'll just flesh it out in all the tie-ins. Well, nobody's going to buy all the tie-ins. And by the end, you, uh, your resolution just spirals in you, uh, spirals you into the next big event which is siege so at the end of secret invasion you have norman osborne shoot the the scroll queen in the head and now he's the leader of shield because everybody trusts him because he killed a queen of the scrolls and now he's in charge and he's the iron patriot and now he's going to take down thor like thor's whole kingdom thing (laughs) i mean like it, it just starts to get laughable like what you just total, totally flipped the script. This has not. This one now has nothing to do with the last one. We left it behind. So I, I don't know. I, I, so it's it's a building and mounting frustration that has led me to 
generations, I don't care. <laughs> you know, like it's not sure, going to matter. Sure. You know, like if I'm just literally answering Sacra's question on this one, I don't know what we'll get out of it because it's going to be, it's probably going to be inconsequential to what's going to happen with uh, Marvel moving forward. It's probably just a little bit of fun and, and hopefully it is fun. You know, hopefully it's written well and, uh, and you'll get to, uh, I think you'll get to pick and choose these because I don't think they're going to be strung together in any kind of, uh, super tight narrative. You know, I think each one will be basically for the Thor fans or for the Hulk fans or for the Wolverine fans. I don't think you're going to need to read them all for any reason. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Solid. <laughs> I feel like that was dour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I, was, I had like an old man rant back in my day when there was the Marvels. Well, you just reacted Alex at the Ross news. Alex Ross is hard. doing the. Yeah, I, I did. I reacted at the news. I was having a hard time with it. <laughs> okay, so so I I love that she followed up with this next question though. So this one's also from Sekra. Uh, and it's uh, also how can Hollywood Hulk Hogan's skin look so shiny and smooth and still look like leather? <laughs> <laughs> and I got to think that the fact that Hulk Hogan can even still walk, he's a cyborg. He's like a Terminator. <laughs> it's not really skin. Like, it's just, you know, like he could cut his arm with a knife and like just peel that off and there'd be like a robot ex uh, what is that endoskeleton yeah it'd be an endoskeleton terminator underneath. style yeah. yeah he's a terminator <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> what, what you gonna do brother i will be back cyber hulk running wild over you brother <laughs> running running wild <laughs> i've this only answer i got for that yeah i mean i'm i'm on board with that i'll just piggyback that with like it is leather but it's like fine uh, this ain't cheap leather. This is fine, elegant leather that <laughs> like you can just replace. Like a brushed later. leather. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a suede. It's like a suede leather. It's like this leather's getting <laughs> sc scuffed up. He's... Time to get a new one. <laughs> Largest arms in the world, brother. <laughs> That's why what you going to do? When the, when the Top Gun, when the Top Gun flight jacket arms run wild on you. What do you think Hollywood Hogan was all about? He's, that, it's not cheap to maintain uh, cyborg leather. No, <laughs> it's true. It's true, especially with recession and price of leather going up. And yeah, I guess the real question is, yeah, what kind of leather is it? Is it like baby <laughs> seal leather? Is it like hardcore like oh, that? Oh man, or is yeah. it just like yeah, grass fed cow leather or something? <laughs> free <laughs> grass, free grass fed cow leather. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, now the deep, now the deep dive here. Okay, one more, one more, uh, and it comes from at d underscore m underscore score elms e l m s. So okay. dm elms with all the gender swapped mainstream superheroes. Do you agree with that or not? Uh, and who are some that you might want to see tried? So, like, what? Uh, what characters out there would you like to see gender swapped? Which, like, we've talked about uh, gender swapping characters in the past. Quite. Yeah, if you'd like to, you know, revisit that, just look for our pull list pick episodes on Angela, Queen of Hell, or uh, or the goddess Thor. 
you know, like look, look for those and you'll get like a deep dive in what we think of, of gender swapping in, in, in general. But, uh, you know, like particularly when it's handled well and not well in both, both, uh, regards. But the interesting part of this question for me is that we've never really talked about like, who would we actually want to see that happen with? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've definitely touched on this topic. I mean, even just recently last month with our Doctor Who episode, we touched on this topic and there was kind of an interesting distinction between because we generally and Melanie's not here on this, this episode, but um, I definitely kind of echo her thoughts on it melanie's deal is like why can't you just have an original female character why do you have to take like batman and make it a girl or a woman batwoman and batgirl or take thor and make it a woman instead of just like here's this original woman character like give her her own identity instead of like it's this guy but now it's a girl and yeah yeah i kind of she's definitely definitely not alone in that opinion you know like we we've We've heard this from a lot of people and sometimes people are like, you're like, and there's the, you know, they have a response to that too. And it's that, you know, like, well, you need to have a black Superman because you've never had a black Superman and you know, well, you know, that you, kind of thing. You but, might like it. You don't know. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> well and, I mean, you know, in, in that, uh, now he's a role model for all people and not just white people. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that makes you know. sense too. I think the Doctor Who thing provided interesting contrast, at least for our opinions on that, because for Doctor Who, I don't know why logically any of this makes sense, but logically it makes more sense to us because Doctor Who is not necessarily traditionally a male character, but not established. Like, I don't know. It's well, worked yeah, the, into... it, it plays within the rules. Exactly. You know, like they yeah. established rules that would allow for this. And, uh, and this is just, playing within the rules it was always an option it was always a possibility whereas a lot of these it's like okay well we didn't know that it was a possibility but we're going to make it a possibility yeah and it's not to say that like these gender 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 uh not to say gender has to play by the rules quote unquote but no yeah you're right because it's 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 not a matter of like why can't women have why can't this woman character have her own like identity it's a why haven't we had a female doctor yet because it's well within the established story of it you know just to make that distinction sure 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 who would we like to see it tried with uh doctor who is that too easy it's gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) no i I don't know i that's not a serious answer uh i i think i have an answer uh unfortunately it has been done though and it's been done poorly and that's uh, that's i guess would be also my my concern with the gender swapping is anytime it's just done poorly you just ruin it you know like so my answer has been done poorly and it is why isn't there a female uh teenage mutant ninja turtle oh interesting real interesting why why not why not you know, except that they did do it. They did have a, uh, they had a character in a really awful version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles done by Saban. So we're talking uh, Power Rangers, that era, mm. you know. So Power Rangers took off, did really well. And then the Ninja Turtles uh, had a basically a Saban show, which was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the next mutation. And there was a female 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle in there. But it was, it was, it's, you know, like that idea was so, uh, what's the word? Controversial or, or divisive or whatever. People just didn't like that character to the point where later on, when the uh, property was handed off to different companies and whatnot in the comic book world, like I think it was uh, Image Comics got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles around this time. And so they had the property to do what they wanted with it. And like the de facto rule in the office was no girl Ninja Turtles, no girls allowed. Oh, interesting. And so like towards the end, I, I can't remember which run it was, but like they even did a thing and, and, uh, so the female Ninja Turtle was uh, called Venus de Milo, uh, based on an Italian um, sculpture, the one that has the arms broken off. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like they're going with the Italian art thing um, some more with, with the naming scheme of, of the Renaissance painters and sculptors. And, uh, you know, like, yeah, why not? Why not? I guess. But you have to write it well. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. She wasn't really written well so much as just shoehorned in there. But it's like, okay, we had Slash. We've had Turtles since then, since the original four. Uh, why Why wouldn't it? You know, they've created so many crazy mutants in that universe that why couldn't we have a, a gender swap Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Why couldn't we have another one, a fifth turtle? So I guess that would be my answer. But it comes down to writing. Oh yeah, I mean that's like the ultimate, the ultimate end end answer for all of these is it comes down to writing. I have an example of this done well, like very well. It kind of reaches outside mm-hmm. of comics, um, but this popped in my head. James Bond. No, oh, slow down. Not necessarily James Bond, although that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. M is basically like his, um, I guess his boss. Oh yeah. And traditionally, it was always a male until was it um, Pierce Brosnan's. Bond. Uh, oh, was it okay? It became um, is it Judy Dents? J- Judy, oh, what? Uh, Judy Drent? What is her name? Oh, Judy yeah. Dench. I, yeah, Judy Dench. Okay, I thought that worked well, and I think recently it's been switched to uh, a male again. But that's a little bit different in that M is basically a title, like it's not necessarily right. the same. Like character. Bond. Like technically couldn't you even have a you could a female bond? You could have a female bond. And I would enjoy that in Jane if, Bond, I guess. <laughs> if they have a female bond, I still want them to stick by Bond's like insatiable appetite. You know what I mean? Uh yes, yeah. D- stick true to the character, wait for people to get upset and be like, This is Bond. That's what Bond does, because people will get upset. Oh yeah, for sure. So why is it worth why is it worse now that it's a woman than when it was a male? I, I think that'd be <laughs> when I, I, you know, like that was the next thing it was like, okay, so, so this is how we generally think about gender swapping, right? Like we generally, because that's the way it's been done most recently is that they just take a male character and make it female. Mm-hmm. So are there any good ones that you'd like to see swap the other way where it's traditionally a female character? but it could be a male and I don't think it would go well. Like I think it would have as much or more backlash uh, if we went the other way and just gave another f- female character over to a man, uh, a lead doctor who companion. <laughs> it's, been a, oh, yeah. it's been, right, a, right. it's been a while, but we all, we already talked about that too. And that might not be, this might not be a great time for that anyway, just because I have bond up money penny. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, the, the, I could see that. The, the secretary that Bond always flirts with. 
Keep bond a male. Yeah. Make money, money penny a male. I want to see that. <laughs> and keep flirting with him. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course. And keep that. Keep that dynamic. Because yeah, that's bond. But yeah, I mean, as for a legit answer to the question from me, I don't know. I'm kind of hard pressed just because I can't think of because Swamp Thing. I was just thinking my favorite character, Swamp Thing, could easily be a female because, in fact, I'm pretty sure there's been several female did, Swamp uh, Thing type. Did creatures. Abby? Did Abby turn kind of swampy? I'm not sure. At one point, or was she always human? It's, I mean, I do have a blind spot in my swampy history, so I'm not sure. But I know more recently she became, she did become an avatar, but she became an avatar of the rot. So, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, uh, Amanda Waller could be a man, but I, I prefer Amanda Waller the way she is. Yeah. That's like, I don't want to see that change. Yeah, that's kind of tough for switching it the other way because, yeah, I don't know the cool female characters that are out there. You're like, I don't really want to. I don't want to. No, don't change. mess with it. Yeah, I don't want to change it. Why would like, you do that? Exactly. Yeah, that's a tough question, but I think a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's a topic that, man, for the most part, we should kind of stay away from. But mm-hmm. I think our opinions are. I think our opinions are right. No, I think our opinions are like <laughs> are right. Yeah, are loose enough, and we're generally not the kind of people that are like staunch to opinions if somebody can like kind of be like well here's why this is maybe not a great way to think about it we're flexible um we're not right inflexible jerks like a lot of people are which is where a lot of this comes from just blindly like wanting to battle over a topic but yeah we have empathy something a lot of people (laughs) something a lot of people lack we have empathy man yep we do man jesse you and i we're great we're, gonna, we're good. We, it's really good. We're gonna, you know how good we are? We're going to fix the gender We're problem. so good. We're so... <laughs> Wait. No. I not, was trying to listen, spin this into a Patreon listen, plug. There's not a problem with gender. We're going to fix gender we're politics. So, we're so good that you guys should give us at least a buck a month through our Patreon <laughs> so you can get access to more of us via our pre-shows and our uh, live video feeds, which Randy puts out monthly. You That's hear how good we, we are. You want to hear what we really think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to hear what yeah, we you say should, when no one's You should hear watching. just how good we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. These are our public opinions. Come be a Patreon <laughs> and see our paid opinions. Wait. Our paid opinions. What was that? Oh, it's uh, Mike Birbiglia, my... Secret public journal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, okay. One thing I don't think I mentioned about one last thing, because it ties into a little bit of what we were just talking about. One of my favorite characters in Invincible is Adam Eve. And I talked about that earlier. Not wild about how her characters handled throughout the series. In fact, I'd say that's Invincible's, the, the series' biggest flaw is how she is handled. Oh, yeah. I'll say that much. That is my one real gripe about the series. Otherwise, I love it. Not wild about how her character is handled throughout the whole thing. Hmm. And I might play into just, you know, I don't know, gender roles and stuff. But anyway, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we got. (laughs) Remember when we were talking about Invincible like 45 minutes ago? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. You tune in next week when we'll talk about... uh... Or not next week, next month, when we'll talk about Immortal Iron Fist at some point. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and cultural appropriation. Wait. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> no. And whatever you guys, you know, and whatever you guys want us to talk about, you know, if you have questions for us, uh, just like these folks did, uh, just shoot them to us either through Twitter or through our uh, letters, email page, letters at crawlixpodcast.com. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. I'm getting better at this. Yeah. Yeah. No, that'd be great. I, I'm, yeah, I'm loving the Twitter questions. Like, those are great. Thank you to uh, DM Elms and Sekra this week for your questions. Huge thank you. You know who I want to see gender swapped? Who? Grolic's podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'll be two chicks and one dude. Exactly. <laughs> but but yeah, still, yeah. like, kind of. I think that you know who I want to see? You, you, you know who I want to see gender swapped? Who? Uh, Terminator Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. She'll, gender swap terminator hulk hogan she'll be able to make complex machines unlike the t two <laughs> one thousand or 2000 or whatever it was oh right yeah 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 it was, it was that uh terminator x or whatever i don't know Ter- terminator that, x terminator terminatrix oh <laughs> yeah, oh yeah Term- remember that oh yeah. boy Ooh, Ooh. running wild <laughs> all over you <laughs> running wild what you gonna do sister <laughs> Yeah, you know what? You sold me. I'm on board with this uh, female Hulk Hogan Terminator. Hey, guys, this is Brandon from the Technology Geek podcast. You can catch all of our shows on the technologygeek.org, as well as on iTunes and all other places where podcasts are carried. We also have a wonderful blog. We talk computers, the Internet, programming, cell phones, and pretty much anything geek. So come and visit us and uh, listen to our wonderful show at the technologygeek.org. All right, come on, we're in. This is awesome. We're in the Grolic Studios. Look, it's a plate of Mel's Hot Biscuits. I've heard about those. Oh my God, check it out. Jesse and Randy's Beard Oil. I didn't know you can buy that in buckets. Well, that Sam Club's membership is really paying off. Okay, let's get in their computer and drop this promo. Okay, let's do it. We're the Roman Podcast, and in the future, we're sneaking a promo on the Grolic Show. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, no, okay, seriously. Here we go. I'm Roman LeBeau. And I'm Rob Gast. And we're from the Roman Podcast. We're just two Canadian guys getting together once a week to put our own spin on weird stories and trending news. That's right. You can get our show every Wednesday night on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, the Laughable app, and of course, here on the EMC Podcast Network. Okay, I think this. I think we got it. Uh, put that in their show. Let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. While I'm in their computer, I'm just going to update their comic book pull list for the next few months. What are you adding? Captain Canuck, of course. <laughs> nice. <laughs> This is Jesse. Rolex Mania is running wild, sister. This has been Randy. Hulkamania is like a single grain of sand in the Sierra Desert that is Rolex Madness. Thank you for listening to the Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vorpal Arrow Studios. For more Grolix Podcasts, check out GrolixPodcast.com. Also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, YouTube, ElectronicMediaCollective.com, Facebook.com slash Grolix Podcast, Twitter.com slash Grolix Podcast, all the dot com slash all the Grolix Podcast. Yes. What a great Hulkamania is like a single grain of sand in the Sierra Desert. That is macho madness. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I was just looking at these Hulk. Hulk.
Hogan quotes and each one's as good as the last one for sure. God, God created the heavens. He created the earth. He created all the Hulkamaniacs. Then he created a set of 24 inch pythons, brother. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, Holy right. cow. And Macho Man responds, expect the unexpected in the kingdom of madness. <laughs> too hot to handle, too cold to hold. <laughs> You call the Ghostbusters in, they're out of control. 